0: Welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. Feels so good to say my own name for once. Um, we are back to talk about Infinity Train.
1: I'm, I'm worried I'm going to stuff mine up every single time. I think ever since we started Deep Impact, I've almost said, and that's Ruben Morehouse in response to you saying, I'm Ruben Morehouse.
0: I would love it if that happened. It would make <laughs> me so happy. No, Elliot, sorry. We're back yes. to talk about Infinity Train.
1: Yeah. Uh... So yes, to jump into the plot summary, um, Infinity Train. Uh, well, it's an anthology, so I'll just start talking about season one. Yeah, um, it's about this girl called Tulip, uh, and her parents are kind of going through a divorce, and it's it's really affecting her. And she's basically built her whole her whole life around uh, getting to go to this game design camp um, that she really wants to go to, and then her parents sort of can't actually drop her off there because there's a bit of confusion last minute. Yeah. Uh and so she kind of has a freak out and sort of tries to run away to get to Game Design Camp and ends up on the Infinity Train. Um which is this sort of magical train in another dimension or something. Yeah. Um that is divided into infinite sort of carriages and basically Chilp's now stuck on this train and she's got to try and figure out how to get off. Yeah. Um is is basically is basically it. So uh season 1 is 10 short episodes of tulip kind of encountering multiple carriages and and each carriage kind of presents a little a little individual problem and she overcomes it and she learns some stuff and and by the end of the season she sort of saves the day and gets off the train
0: yeah um the train is a kind of and we're going full spoilers here for both seasons so yeah be warned um The train is a kind of uh, purgatory, I suppose. Although Tulip's not dead, she just has some serious shit she needs to work through. And the train is designed in order to give you a kind of series of challenges in these cars that will each kind of cause you to have some epiphanies, hopefully, about yourself. And in that way, you kind of learn and grow until you're at a point where the train kind of deems you ready to re-enter society, (laughs) at which point you do. Yeah, basically,
1: the train sort of kidnaps people helps them uh, overcome their issues as defined by the train, which is a joke that's made at the end of season two. Yeah. Um, and and then, yeah, let, lets you off once it thinks it's fixed you. Um, yeah, it's a
0: sort of preemptive prison, but very rehabilitative. So that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mixed bag there. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't always work, and, and, and we'll sort of get into that. Um, yes. But- like, I think Ch- Chulip's a great, a great protagonist. Um, I-, I actually sort of really liked her. I mean, you know, she's she's a games programmer, very relatable. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, obviously, like with any sort of children's show, the the sidekicks are, are what sells it. And, like, a- Atticus and One One were both absolutely fantastic
0: sidekicks to-, yes. to open Season 1 with. They are interesting, aren't they? I mean, Atticus is all around just a genuinely delightful character. <laughs> one One is bizarre one one is such a strange (laughs) character to have he's the you know he's the robotic sidekick that alternates between um you know marvin the depressed android uh, the paranoid android and uh and like a really elated kind of three or four year old toddler it's it's bizarre
1: (laughs) yeah so so it's um like one one's full name is happy one and sad one yeah and um yeah basically they kind of take turns talking and um it, it yeah like one one's used for so much humor. There's this sort of um as you said like toddlerish quality to them. Like a one one opens the the thing. It's lost on the train and is looking for its mum. Um and like it's just it's just a cute and adorable and um at at times terrifying little little adorable spherical robot.
0: Yeah, um at times terrifying is good because one <laughs> one takes an interesting role in season two, which is. Uh not an antagonist, but an obstacle at
1: least. we'll see- yeah. Yeah, without getting ahead of ourselves, like we'll come back to this. But season two is a lot more about kind of uh fighting the system and one one represents the system in a lot of ways, because what we find out at the end of season one is that like and, and you know, this is hardly like a super surprising reveal, uh that one one was the conductor all along, um, and had been usurped by this this sort of crazy uh woman who was sort of doing the opposite of what the train wanted and kind of double-downing on everything um, bad that had led her to the train in the first place. Yep. Um, But they get 1-1 back in the conductor's chair and he sort of restores order to uh, the train, more or less, for Season 2. Well,
0: yeah. Interesting thing to me about Season 2 compared to Season 1 is in Season 2, when 1-1's back in control, the train actually seems like a more anarchic and chaotic place than it did in Season (laughs) 1.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's get there. I just want to finish talking about Season 1 first. Sorry, cause, yes. um, i Because I think we will spend more time on Season 2. I found it much more interesting. But um, yeah. Season 1 was still fantastic. As we said, like, I think... The, so the interesting thing about this is really, Infinity Train, each season is mo- movie length. There's really, you know, a, a movie's worth of content in yeah. in each season. And that has its strengths and its weaknesses. Like, Atticus as a character was someone who was perfect for this sort of short season because... a huge part of his character was built around dog jokes like um and they were they were fantastic and it was like maybe just as i was starting to get sick of them the season ended and and so he was gone as a character well yeah
0: atticus is not in really in the final two or three episodes
1: yeah yeah exactly so i think i think like atticus was a great example of a character who would be remembered a lot less strongly in my head had he been in like Ten hours of of like episodes as opposed to yeah. w- one hour. Um, but at the same time, there were definitely chunks of season one that I felt were maybe a bit rushed. Like the climax, I thought happened very quickly. Like it's really in the last two episodes, and it just sort of the the so the the baddie Amelia. Like we kind of immediately dive into her backstory and then barely kind of resolve it. Like there's yeah there's some interesting comparisons and conflict brought up there between Chulop and Amelia. And, and I felt like it sort of touched on it and started to deal with it and then everything just sort of ended and Amelia was left there. Like, I don't know what the plans are for season three, but I'd love to see Amelia come back at some point in the show because I feel like there was more to do with her.
0: Yeah. The thing, I think season one, it doesn't feel incoherent or inc- incohesive, but it does feel like I think the first five or so episodes are really cool independent adventures And then Mm. they suddenly realised, oh wait, we wanted to tell more of an overarching story and we've just forgotten to put that in the first five (laughs) episodes. So we better start to develop that a lot more aggressively. And it's fine, it works okay, but you can kind of compare it to season two, which is clearly a lot more intentional from the get-go and realise, oh shit, this is like the peak of what it could be.
1: Yeah, like I season 2 is way more serialized. It, season 1's a lot more episodic. Like I I 100% agree with that. Um it's almost a shame that they didn't get to do more episodic stuff. Like I think uh, and you sort of touched on the comparisons to like Stargate or Doctor Who or yeah. any of these other great sci-fi things where when you have this sort of situation where you can open a door and on the other side can be almost anything. There's so much you can do with that, and it, it it honestly feels like Infinity Train has kind of avoided diving into that as
0: much as it could have. Yeah, um, there are some episodes that are quite... that do go quite deep in that, but uh, more in Season 1, I think, than Season 2. Yeah. But, um... But it definitely doesn't. I mean, it wants to be doing something more than just one-off episodes, which is okay. But you definitely feel like... Like, if this season was, instead of 10 episodes long, it was 12 episodes long, and you got two really weird, off-the-wall ideas that didn't really tie in that much, but were just kind of awesome. Like, I'd be okay with that, I think.
1: Yeah, this is a premise that absolutely supports the concept of filler episodes, because because of the nature of the train um yeah so it's almost a bummer that they that they didn't get to do more like you know again if if season three was 20 episodes and it told the same amount of story and had 10 extra filler episodes i'd probably be okay with it Mm. Um, yeah interesting i mean and then obviously like there's 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 just a nice 80s vibe i don't know what it is with 80s vibes these days i mean but it's, it's kind of the hot new thing. And um, like, it works very well for infinity train. Um, I enjoyed the, the sort of theme tune that, that opened every episode, the very sort of strong synth um, stuff and, and the aesthetic. um, I I think it was nicely contrasted. Like I think the fact that Tulip and, and Jesse in season two both sort of come from like what appears to be eighties, Type era from, yeah. from some of the looks of it, kind of middle um,
0: America e uh, eighties vibe is what I yeah. got from although, it. Although Jesse had a smartphone, so maybe not. Yeah, I, I don't know. It is a bit I, anachronistic, I think.
1: Yeah, but like I, th- I thought that works because it really separated the outside world from the world of the train. Like the yes. train has a very unique thing whenever we got glimpses at the real world it felt very different and
0: like i think that was important and i thought they did a good job of it yeah no you're right um i i think especially towards the end of season two when we see jesse in the real world a little bit and we see uh mt or lake in the real world um yeah you're right it, it definitely has a different feeling the the infinity train feels like this anachronistic uh beast out of time yeah yeah it's very surreal absolutely um but yeah, so so I guess I guess
1: that's all I sort of really have to say about about season one. Like, yeah. um, because yeah, I want like I want to dive into season two because you sort of sold this as just um, I think you said it was a bit of an anthology series. Uh, and so I was just expecting. I'd seen like a thumbnail for season two, and I saw uh Jesse in in that, so I just assumed it was going to be like a new character going through his mission, and I was like, oh, I wonder how they'll like tie in an overarching plot yes it is that but it's also more than that you know (laughs) yeah well that i i kind of assumed it was going to be like focused on you know just this other passenger who you know would do their thing and i was like oh i wonder how they'll keep the mystery alive because obviously season one a lot of it is driven by the fact we don't quite understand what the numbers on people's hands mean and and know when these reach zero that's when you are allowed off the train Mm -hmm. um and we don't know that for season one. So I was kind of like, Oh, how's it going to work in season two? If you do know that. And of course the answer is, um, the, the season actually really focuses on, um, MT or, or she, as she names herself at the end of the season, Lake, um, who is this, sh- she was a reflection of Tulip, who was, who Tulip helped to release since in season one. And season two is all about her finding her own path basically. Yes. Um, and, and sort of trying to fight the system. And it's, it's such a huge leap ahead of the story season 1 was telling not that season 1 was telling a bad story but it was yep. a kind of simple um strong like it was a strong but simple and solid like story like it wasn't yes. anything super innovative whereas season 2 just felt like a huge leap up in complexity and and sort of just innovativeness like it, it blew me away in comparison
0: yeah i think that's the answer to the question of well, how are they're going to deal without having the mystery and the answer is they they escalate it in a completely different way which is it's now a lot more about lake fighting the system and more aggressively finding her place um aggressively in sense of story structure and in terms of lake's character although she is a bit more aggressive yeah, than Jules. I was about to say no. That 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 fits. Um, yeah. So
1: so obviously in in season two, it, it's it's Lake, um, who I would say is the is the protagonist. Yes, and uh, she pairs up with Jesse, who is is uh, a human passenger that. Um, his his whole thing, because you know, this is after we've learned that the train is all about fixing people's problems. Um, he his problem is that he doesn't really stand up for himself. Yeah. Um, and and so
0: he's a doormat, they- and it's caused a few problems <laughs> in his life
1: yeah exactly and then um to to kind of fit one one's uh weirdness hole that was left over uh we get alan dracula which is the name so that is put good. upon this fucking bizarre deer that's kind of like jack jack from the incredible well, yeah his his thing
0: is he has every superpower and it's not really explained what that means but he just can kind of seemingly do anything um <laughs> and it's awesome like and it's this great excuse for really interesting animation and really interesting bizarre gags um yeah it's never yeah. really used as a deus ex machina which i liked it's yes. just weird <laughs> and, and great
1: yeah i i i, I was going to comment on that as well i think there was maybe one instance that springs to mind where i, I sort of felt like they just used alan dracula to get themselves out of a hole in general he's somehow actually more of a more of an obstacle than an asset a lot of the time yes because Um, he
0: is a deer and he has the brain (laughs) and and like
1: you know nature of a deer yeah exactly um there's a great little line just at the end of season two where One One looks at like Alan Dracula doing something crazy, and One One's just like, "Oh man, I really broke the mold with you." Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's such, it's such a great like, especially because I think Alan Dracula fulfills the same sort of role as One One did in season one. Um, so just that sort of passing of the baton. Um, there's that one episode where Alan Dracula just spins its head around for the whole episode, and it's like it's, it's not even really explained why. Why yep. it's doing that? Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, I loved Alan Dracula just as not not even as a character; it's just a device, really. Yes, um, and it's it's a hilarious one, and it, it sort of it's what like, Alan Dracula is the reason that Jesse and and uh, Lake kind of start to bond as well. So yep. like it's just yeah, I love yeah, Alan totally. Dracula.
0: Um, yeah, it, it he it he it whatever is a great device. Um, brings together uh Lake and Jesse, and then just kind of is this consistent presence that it kind of feels like towards the end it's almost a guiding presence that that uh, helps them through situations while not taking an active role
1: i definitely kept yo-yoing on how intelligent i thought alan dracula actually is yes (laughs) um because there's there's definitely conflicting uh moments in in the show and i I wasn't sure what i'm meant to make of it
0: yeah and i think that's intentional is never quite knowing well what is this thing um yeah So something that season two, I think, does a lot more than season one is explicitly use each car that they come across as a way to deal with an issue or progress their development. And I think that was really interesting. And it led to a lot of really weird, interesting episodes, like one called the Toad Car, where they come into a (laughs) train car and all they have to do to get out of it is kick a toad. And this toad is like, oh, you know... I don't want you to kick me, but you have to, so you might as well do it. And they kind of have this weird reaction of not wanting to kick this toad, and that's the core premise of the development of their characters over the course of this uh, episode. And it's great. It's so good. Yeah,
1: definitely. Like, as we sort of touched on, season two feels a lot less episodic, and a huge part of that is because even though we still do quite often have the carriage of the of the episode uh, format... yeah it It leads directly into and out of the previous episode wait like that's that's one thing is they'll be getting chased out of one and enter it at the end of the episode, and then like we'll pick right back up from there and as you said, each one it's not just like a it's not just a wacky sort of cart that teaches them a little yeah. lesson of the week it's it ties directly into what is happening on this journey there's there's a much more sort of serialized structure to how each cart is
0: used, yeah yeah definitely um yeah it's great like this the the arc of season two and the way that it evolves from car to car is so good it just works so 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 well
1: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um and and just like i think we should actually touch on what happens to lake in this season because it's fantastic so so obviously she she's been on the run since season one because basically chur wasn't meant to help her escape um
0: she's meant to just be a reflection
1: Yes, and the idea is is when Short leaves the train, uh, she either gets the choice to be recycled into someone else's reflection or to uh, join this sort of police force that is designed to catch escaped reflections. Um, And so Lake has escaped, and her whole thing is she wants to not do that. She wants to find her own path. She wants to have her own life,
0: which is a fair enough goal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And... And so this this kind of, like, you know, on, like on a thematic level starts to bump up against season one because now that we're sort of familiar with the structure of this train, season two is all about challenging that because basically, like, Lake's whole thing is that she's meant to be a part of this system and she doesn't want to be. And we sort of see, as you said, like, the... The there's more complexity to this system. It's not this well-oiled machine. It's a bit of a mess. There's serious problems, and and Lake kind of encapsulates a lot of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, in a system where you're creating creatures with sentience, uh, but making a class structure where they're somehow lesser than the people who are the passengers, in air quotes, um, yeah, of course I'm going to be on the side of the revolution <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And so it's so interesting watching... Uh, like, try to sort of help Jesse as well as find her own way off um, the the train. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, like, there's this absolutely fantastic scene where she ends up off the train. um, I think it's right at the end. It's after Jesse has accidentally gone through. He tried to bring her through his portal to the real world, but um, she couldn't go because the train wouldn't let her. Yep. And she ends up outside the train with kind of half of the corpse of a... um, of one of the reflection police that's yes, after of her. of the main but, antagonist
0: that has been pursuing her this entire time. Yeah, which I think was like Ben Mendelssohn or something? Like, yeah, I think like it was. Him. Yeah.
1: Um, there's actually, like, I, I, side note, there's a bunch of great voice actors. Like, Reese Darby pops up as this yep. weird wa- water creature. <laughs> yeah, he's um, great. Um, as I, usual. I've, I've forgotten the actress's name, but the cat is definitely um, Red from Orange is the New Black as well. Um, um, I'd yes. recognise that voice anywhere.
0: Yes, I've forgotten her name as well. I'm sorry,
1: um, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there's there's a lot of great voice talent in this. Um, but yeah, so so Lake and this reflection cop are kind of stuck inside um, a ball of antlers that uh, Alan Dracula has erected around them, um, and they they have this like just incredible conversation about w- whether she can escape, whether she should want to, like in um like i don't i don't want to end up just quoting the whole thing um but it's 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 this fantastic sort of uh, moral argument they have about whether she has any right to sort of try and break the mold like this and um you know luckily it works out for her
0: yeah um it doesn't work out for it it works out for her because she tricks 1-1 into letting her go, not because she wins on any moral standing, which is another resolution that I found really interesting, because it continues to set up this uh, train as not necessarily the best place.
1: Yeah, well, it's more like 1-1 gets stuck in a logic loop because, uh, about trying to let her go because Jesse comes back for her and the train isn't sure how to fix him because the only way to fix him is to let, is to let Lake go yeah. with him. Um and but it can't do that because she's not a passenger. And so um I, I think one of our one of our patrons brought up, um, I think it was Maddie, sort of said how perfect it is that the way that, that Lake eventually solves this problem is reflecting Jesse's number off of her skin because she's been fighting her reflective nature the entire like season or the entire show. And she sort of has to embrace it here and understand that uh, that's where she
0: comes from in order to move on. Um, I mean, and yeah. That- and then she chooses the name Lake for herself, which of course is a body of water that will reflect something, but yes, has uh, has its own depth as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's such a perfect finale to, to yep. her
0: story. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, as I was starting season two, I th- was worried that I was going to not enjoy Jesse as a character because he seems a yeah. bit kind of milk toast when you first meet him (laughs) but the way that him and lake and alan dracula of course the way that they interact (laughs) is just so compelling that you really warm yourself up to him quite quickly
1: yeah well i think that's the interesting thing because like you're right at at the start i was kind of like oh this is a bit boring and you very quickly hone in on his thing being that he doesn't stand up for himself yeah uh but the way you get to watch um like walk him through that realization is actually really great um the friendship slash maybe more that they start to form uh, during that is very fun to see. And I-, I think it really adds into this sense, like, an argument that is constantly made to her uh, by 1-1 right at the climax is 1-1 sort of saying, no, you need to stay here. You're doing a great job. Look, you've, like, single-handedly brought Jesse down to zero. Yeah, totally. Um, and-, and it's and it's the same sort of thing like. Where- like, I think that's great because the whole season she's been running away from her responsibilities and kind of getting punished for, for doing what she's doing. And then yep. here, even at the end, one one is like, oh, no, you're actually doing a great job. And she's still like, but that's that's not me. This isn't what I want to be doing. Yes. Um, and I think that that makes that decision at the end even more powerful.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's... It's a good arc, isn't it? Um, and it's just such a captivating world, right? Uh, we get introduced in season two to these characters that call themselves the Apex, that are basically a bunch of children that uh, basically exist by doing the opposite of what the train wants. They're trying to get their number as high as possible because they think that's good.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um Like, I I talked before about how I'd love to see Amelia come into the future of the show. I I think the other avenue I could see would be one of these apex kids. I I don't know, like, which one. Um, Like It could be some minor one who's who's newly introduced or something. But I think that's a fascinating. Watching someone have to redeem themselves. Like, if you're given the chance to improve on the Infinity Train and you sort of spit on it, and then you have to redeem yourself back, I think that could be a a fun, different tack. And actually, you know what? Amelia would fit into that perfectly. So, two for
0: one. Well, and the thing is, I mean, those kids are going to be there until they redeem themselves. That's the way that their story has to end. Um, Unless they age on the train. Do you age and die on the train? I don't know.
1: I got the impression you might.
0: Um, yeah, sure. I, I, I guess they'll
1: find out. Um, I mean, because the interesting thing about what happens to the Apex kids is it's not just that they're running away from their problems. And Amelia has the same thing. It's that in rejecting them, they seem to double down and make things worse. Like, as you said, the Apex becomes not just about not lowering your number, but about trying to raise it, which basically yep. involves being as much of a shit as Being you can. the
0: worst possible person <laughs> that you can be, yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like um, they've they've sort of completely gone the other way. And I think trying... A way to extend the core formula of the train would be an interesting... Well, an interesting way to do that would be to see someone who has rejected it and is now trying to redeem themselves. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah.
0: I I want to touch on one other thing, which is something that I learned in between the prescription and and the diagnosis here, which is... Season 1 and 2, uh, the, the original show was picked up for 20 episodes. So, originally, Infinity Train was picked up for two seasons, and this was the two seasons they had in mind, um, which okay. really interestingly colours, I think, the differences between Season 1 and 2. Season 1 kind of introducing us to this world, Season 2 continuing the story and escalating it. Um, as far as I know, there isn't a season three announced yet, but hopefully it will be coming because I'm very, very interested to see what else can be done in this world.
1: (laughs) Ah, they'd be mad not to. I don't know what the ratings have been like, but, um, quality wise, they'd be mad not to. Um, I mean, with that, with that framing in mind, I could almost see that first half of season one that was very episodic as the team just kind of finding their feet before moving into the stories they actually wanted to tell. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, in retrospect, that sort of makes sense. And as we sort of touched on, like, there's a duality to the two seasons with, with Tulip and Lake. Mm. Um, so, so that kind of makes sense that they were paired together. And if if three and four are together, like there could be an interesting sort of duality to those two stories as well, I guess
0: yeah definitely um yeah the two seasons do really reflect each other don't they that's not I'm, I'm being serious but it sounds like such a stupid yeah. joke <laughs> no yeah absolutely um cool what else do you have to say about infinity train
1: um i guess one other thing i wanted to mention about season two um which i thought they handled very well is s- season one still left us with a lot of questions about like how the train operates yeah and season two did a great job of kind of filling out that law which like as as someone who, who loves that sort of stuff i was glad to see but in a way that was totally natural and didn't feel intrusive to season two's story like finding the the tape cart where they were sort of pulling the tapes out of people's heads um to build their sort of memory banks and and evaluate them and figure out how the train should try to fix them yeah was this great way of fleshing out our understanding of the train and how it operates and also fit so perfectly into where, um, Lake was at that point because she was basically trying to get a number. And so of course she ends up in the part of the train that gives people the numbers and and explains that stuff to us. So I really liked how they found a way to keep, keep building on the law of the train as, as a whole in a way that was still very
0: fitting to, to what the show was, was doing at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's interesting because obviously there's a lot left uh, still to be uncovered. I think the train is an interesting setting because it really makes no sense practically. (laughs) Um, Like, it it can't be a place that has real rules because it is too insane for that to be feasible. Like, it's just too bizarre. I mean, that's the thing. Like at the
1: moment, I'd say by the end of season two, we have a fairly decent understanding of the kind of current operation of the train. Um, like I have a, I have a fairly decent understanding of of what it does, which is it yes. pulls people in, takes them to this cart, gets their memories, decides how it needs to fix them, puts a puts them somewhere on the train where it can do that, and bingo, bango eventually hopefully they're fixed or they they go backwards it's very laissez-faire attitude isn't it (laughs) yeah i mean as you said season two really teaches us how the train is a fucking mess um even with one one operating it as intended uh but we we know nothing about the origin of the train like that's definitely something the future seasons could explore is like why like who why is there a magical train constantly building new magical carts that wants to fix people um, who who made it do that like you know there's there's tons more they could explore but i think season two did a good job of teaching us more um
0: in a very organic way yeah and in a way that we don't you know we don't need to get too deep on it right well that's the thing i think the the whole thing still
1: worked even if you didn't care and weren't following like if you took a, a huge gap and forgot all the tape stuff for season two You'd still totally sort of understand what was happening in season two, but for someone like me who's always watching for that shit because I love to try and pick apart how yeah. s- like in universe systems work, yeah,
0: um, it it was like absolutely great fodder for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what a great show! I hope they do a season three. I really loved it. I consumed it in yeah. like two days, and I just want more, Elliot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Like it was, it's phenomenal, and and yeah. While we're at it, let's let's bump up those seasons. I'm I'm fine with filler episodic content in the middle. <laughs> yep.
0: Longer seasons, more seasons, infinity train, it'll go on forever <laughs> yeah. and it'll that'll be true to the name and that'll be great. Yeah, I'm all for it. So are you giving it infinity out of ten? I, well that's not that's
1: not a that's not a real number ruben i can't do it thank god i, 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 can't I can't hoped you would format. say that elliot <laughs> i don't want you to break the format
0: it was a joke god damn it
1: <laughs> uh yeah no i think with with season two in mind for this i'm gonna have to give this on like an eight and a half um i i loved this
0: um yeah good good as you should it's great um but that's our discussion on infinity train Now, interestingly, for this fortnight, we have been uh, prescribed something by a listener. One of our listeners has gone to our website, MediaMDPodcast.com, and clicked that microphone button that allows them to record a little prescription for us, and here's that prescription right now. G'day Elliot and Ruben, this is Zach, or uh, a bird, I guess. There was a discussion in the Discord about what makes good and bad musicals, and so I'd like to prescribe you a heroic dose of Disney's Hercules. I want to focus on the contrast between the spectacle, particularly the music, and the writing below the hood. I'll cheat and shove in a recommendation that you watch Lindsay Ellis' video essay on Hercules because she's already done the work for you. And if you've got time, maybe throw in a few other 90s Disney musicals for comparison. Looking forward to it and see you next week. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i i didn't actually check if it if it ends in a joke i hope it does um I've, ju- I've just i've just read the transcript.
0: yeah well yeah okay wait are we back is this is this yeah the yeah show? this is this, is, us back. Right, this yeah. is the show um so yes uh a bird <laughs> uh one of our patrons a bird has left us a recommendation to check out disney's hercules um yeah you know we we've done a few musicals on the show i don't think we've done any movie musicals have we I don't think so, no. So this is going um, to be a first, an animated Disney movie musical. Have you seen this before, Elliot?
1: I think I saw it when I was like, you know, five or under. I, I don't remember it at all. I, I effectively have not, no.
0: Yeah, that feels like my memory of it too. I think most of what I know about the Disney Hercules comes from playing Kingdom Hearts 1. And also that was like 15 years ago now. So it's really <laughs> just a black spot in my memory.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because my sisters and I watched uh a lot of these disney musicals growing mm. up, but it was like you know the same like five over and over like yeah. we didn't we didn't have all of them but we sort of had a group and so you know like things like the little mermaid uh mulan lion king uh aladdin we watched those over and over and over again and then somehow like there are a few like hercules which i just completely missed yeah yeah
0: yeah i feel the same that's interesting um it's going to be interesting diving into this because it is one of the one of the greats in terms of Disney's animated films, right? Um, and I'm really excited to reevaluate these movies that I enjoyed a lot as a child and haven't really watched uh, ever since Disney has kind of turned into a huge terrible corporation that just pumps out <laughs> uh, live action reboots. Um, yeah, like I've I've only heard very good things
1: about Hercules. Um, yes, Somehow me that too. has not translated into me going and actually seeing it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this, this by all accounts is one of the one of the best ones. So I'm yeah. keen to finally get into it.
0: Yeah. So I guess we'll uh, go away, watch it, and in two weeks we'll be back to talk more about Disney's Hercules.
1: Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, if if you want to hear more stuff uh, because you've already watched Hercules and you've listened to this episode and there's still like a week and a half to go, <laughs> uh, yep. head on over to doofmedia.com. Yes. Um, that's the place to go to get all the other Doof shows, and there's a lot. And trust me, if you get into all the other Doof shows, you're not going to be wanting for more content to listen
0: to. There's there's plenty. Yeah, do you want to have your uh, podcast app constantly downloading new podcasts so that you always have stuff to <laughs> listen to? Because if so, doofmedia.com is the place for you.
1: Yep. Um. uh doof media uh you know which we're obviously a part of is completely funded by its patrons as well uh it just wouldn't exist as it currently does without the support of the patrons and yeah. you can become one of them by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. media yes uh, there's there's a bunch of perks you get for for doing it so what are you waiting for
0: Yeah, um, actually, we also have some new Patreon kind of stretch goals. So if we get enough patrons, we're going to start unlocking some cool new things. Uh, Elliot, you've got a new YouTube series, which if we hit uh, 350 patrons, is it? We'll start to produce. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so we get crazy close to that. It's, it's like 3.47 at the time of recording, so yep. that may have already happened by the time this episode comes out. Um, but yeah, so, so there's, there's a YouTube series I'm planning on announcing and launching uh, when we hit 350 patrons. Uh, there's some other fantastic goals there as well to do with Do the Right Thing, and yep. uh, We Want More, so go check it out.
0: Yeah, um, for links to all of the things we just talked about and ways to contact us, all that good stuff, you can head on over to our website, doofmedia.com, where you can find all that stuff, as well as all the previous clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD, and why is his train so long? Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Pork, pork, and we'll see you next fortnight.